Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to the first Pirates Constructible Strategy Game podcast. This is your co-host, A7X Fan Ben, along with God Mason here. Hello. So today, we're just going to talk about uh, how we got into the game, uh, where we bought our first packs, some of our first pack pulls, and just kind of our kind of our origin stories with Pirate CSG in general. So I guess I'll ask you first, God Mason, I'll ask you, uh, where did you find Pirates Packs and what got you into it? Like, how did, how did it all start for you? Well, I think it started for me. I remember I was at a friend's house and we were up late at night watching TV and the uh, TV ad came on. Have you ever seen that ad? I think I've seen it on Board Game Geek, yeah. Yeah, that ad came on, and, you know, it's all pirates of the Spanish mean. It's all cheesy, and it's got this old CGI, but I was so hooked. And, uh, I mean, I'd seen packs in a couple stores, but I didn't know what to make of it until I saw the ad. Nice. Yeah, and uh, I think I've heard... I think I've heard you say that you got into the game around 2011. Is that right? That's when I got into, like, the online community. I actually discovered the game, like, early 2005. Because I think it was, Mm. like, around the time Crimson Coast came out or a little bit before. Because I I was at, uh, basically how it happened was, I was just, I never saw, like, the ad or anything or anything, like, any advertisements or anything. But there was a mall that I went to quite often as a kid. And uh, there was, like, a Fi store, like, FYE. One of those stores was still around. And it was in the mall. It was, like, a two-story store. It was, like, a big store with, like, all sorts of, like, books, magazines, and media and stuff like that and different games and whatnot. So uh, on the upper floor, I saw, like, near the checkout, near the register, there were just, like, some random games and stuff. And I saw uh, a few packs of Pirates of the Spanish Main. And I had no idea what it was. But from the artwork on the pack and what it looked like and the name and everything... It sounded really cool, and at that point, uh, I had probably seen, I must have seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie by then, so that was part of it too, so it kind of hit like a, it kind of hit a passion point for me, because even back then when I was still a young kid, I was already getting pretty interested in like naval warfare and like piracy and stuff like that, so I I just picked it up randomly, I bought two packs, and uh, from there it just took off, so. Mm -hmm. I know that, I mean, I don't, I had like a pirate stage when I was uh, sort of a young kid. I don't remember if that started before or after I got into the game, if I'm honest. But my interest in the whole naval history and naval warfare thing came from uh, uh, my grandfather served in the Navy in World War II, and he ended up getting a Bronze Star. So I ended up kind of intrinsically interested in that because, you know, family history is always interesting. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, for me, I had, like, a pirate phase, too, and I think it was kind of, like, kind of concurrent with discovering Pirates CSG, because there was, uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out, like, a year before Pirates CSG was released, so, and then, eventually, I got more into, like, the Royal Navy side of things, and more of, like, the, more of the Imperial Nations, and the nautical, like, the naval warfare stuff, not just, like, piracy, so it kind of expanded for me, but it, it started, it pretty much started with piracy, and then expanded from there, so my roots are more in terms of piracy than just naval warfare and the Royal Navy and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminds me, uh, have you ever seen uh, a film called Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World? Yeah, yeah, I did watch that yeah. a while back, yeah. It was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that when I was really young, and uh, I think I actually saw it before I watched any of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Yeah, which, which were a little bit, I guess, mature for me at the yeah. time. Yeah. I 
I don't remember when they came out. Was that O two or O three when uh, Curse of the Black Pearl? Uh, Curse of the Black Pearl was O three. Then the next two oh, were O six and O seven. Okay, yeah, I was eight when the first one came out, and nice. my parents wouldn't have been all that down with you know letting me watch these skeletal guys getting blown up and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, must, I guess I was eight too because I must have turned nine in October of. 2003 so yeah we're like the same age too so it's funny yeah yeah i think i didn't see uh curse of the black pearl probably till 05 or 06 right before um dead man's chest came out and that was that really uh kind of disturbed me watching jack get swallowed by the kraken there at the end oh yeah yeah that can be pretty intense yeah and especially because it's unexpected for such a huge like protagonist such a like loved character to go out Mm -hmm. like that yeah, of course, you know, we knew it wasn't over based on how the film yeah. ended and all that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, let me see. I think I'll try to segue on to, um, yeah, so you already said you bought your first packs at a Fi in the mall? Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, um, I don't know if there was, there might have been Crimson Coast there, too. I don't know if this had to come out yet. I think it came out in March of 05. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I got into the game in 05 because uh, instead of 04, because my first few packs of SM Spanish main were the unlimited version because I, I've mm-hmm. always been used to the rarities, like the colors and the regular numbering system. So when I got back into the game in like 2010, 2011, and I finally got some like first edition Spanish main cards, it was kind of weird to see like the, the different numbering system and no like rarity colors in the corners. So, so it was probably, mm-hmm. it was 2005, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about, like, what if I pick up the pack of, like, Crimson Coast at the time, too? I don't know. Not that it would have mattered that much. I still would have loved it, but it's kind of mm-hmm. an amusing thought. So I can't remember exactly uh, if that set had come out at that time. But yeah, so I had the two packs, and I didn't really know what I was getting into. But then I was, I was hooked, like, pretty much right after I opened the packs. Because, you know, it's pretty cool to see the stuff. And then to see the, the ship miniatures, especially in the first handful of sets were pretty historically accurate, which I liked a lot. So I thought they looked really good and I put them together and mm-hmm. my first, so I had two packs from my first purchase. So the first four ships were La Repulsa, which is a Spanish one masted sloop. It's like 14 points. It's actually not a very good ship at all, but I was really excited about it. And then mm-hmm. uh, the Asesino de la Nave was my other Spanish ship that I got, which is actually a really good uh, like mid-sized gunship with like a cargo wrecking ability. And then the other two ships were both pirate ships, the Muerta de la Corona, which is a decent uh, pirate like mm-hmm. support gunship. And then the other one, um, I'm trying to think, I can't remember actually, I have to look it up. That's weird, I can't remember for some reason. But yeah, it might have been, oh yeah, it was the Batavian Bat actually, I do remember, which is not right. a great ship. It doesn't have a, got a lot of good cargo, but it's not a terrible ship, but either way, the weird, the cool thing is that I was hooked like right from the start, so it didn't really matter how good the ships were. So, what were your first pulls, though? Um, all right, so my first pack that I ever bought, I just bought one of. I'm not sure if it was Spanish Main or Unlimited. It was one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember only one of the ships from the pack. I remember assembling it on uh, on the bottom of the grocery cart that I was riding around in with my parents at the uh, at the local King Supers. It's like a Kroger. Yeah, nice. Um, I think I bought it at a Blockbuster of all places, cool. but the one ship that I remember, uh, getting out of it was Raven's Neck, which was, it's not a bad first ship at all, yeah, really. That, that's a very good ship. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't remember what the other one in the pack was. It might have been Greyhound, maybe Silverback, maybe HMS Bell of Exeter. Yeah. I honestly can't remember. Yeah. But that was my first pull. I ended nice. up buying packs from really several different places over the years while the game was still in print. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a 7-Eleven near me that I remember riding bikes down to get a Slurpee and buy a pack or two. Nice. Uh, um, when I was young, and you'll laugh at this, uh-huh. I would actually like pick up multiple packs from a box and kind of like jiggle them in my hand to sort yeah. of go, "Oh, is this one? This one feels like it weighs more." Oh, I yeah. discovered later that every single one has the exact same number of cards in it. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. They've always got six cards in them, and yep. uh, I didn't know that at the time. I only found that like when I got back into the game a yeah. couple years ago. But nice. Uh, nice. I was lucky enough to pull HMS Titan from nice. uh, one of those Seven Eleven packs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, even though I honestly wanted Revenant or Harbinger more because I was more into pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always disappointed that I didn't pull that many Five Masters early on, but through trading and like a lot of ex- acquisitions over the past like six years, I've made up for it. So I remember mm-hmm. I wanted uh, HMS Lord Algernon because I thought she looked like cleaner and like prettier than the Titan. That was like my most wanted ship for so many years. And then I mm-hmm. finally acquired her. She's still like my favorite ship to a degree, but yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, speaking of favorite ships, I'd say um, uh, that, that reminds me. This is kind of rolling onto the whole Crimson Coast thing. Yeah, um, I ended up getting Roanoke, and I don't remember why I took a liking to the American faction. I'm not one of those super patriotic types of people anyway, but. Yeah. It's sort of become de facto my favorite faction to play, nice. and uh, as a result, it's one of my favorite ships. Nice. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that brings me to my favorite English ships, which mm-hmm. my first two English ships that I pulled were HMS uh, Bergenhead and HMS Lord Walpole, both from Spanish Main. So those are two of my mm-hmm. favorite English ships just by virtue of them being the first ones in my collection. So those have definitely a special place for me. And then... Um, and then, yeah, my first English Five Master was actually HMS Gargantuan, which is from uh, Davy Jones's Curse. But, but then yeah, I, that was uh, one of the less good one ones, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't that good, but the flavor text is pretty epic. And then the other two Five Masters I had in my like original collection of 49 chips were uh, the Enterprise, an American Five Master from mm-hmm. uh, Revolution, yeah. and then La Magnifique, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, from Crimson Coast, which is a French Five Master, so... Yeah, I think I had a copy of La Magnifique, but I uh, I think it's pronounced La Magnifique. Nice. I ended up breaking that, and uh, oh, I don't yeah. have one anymore. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that reminds me, my Enterprise has been used so much that the masts are actually loose just from, like, taking them out, <laughs> just from using them. Like, it's not broken, it's just that well used, because I've been using it so much since, like, 2005, so... <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I haven't gotten to that point yet because I really had trouble finding people to play with. I really was a collector when I was young, and I'm somewhere yeah. between player and collector. I want to do more playing. I've always like really liked um, actually playing the game kind of casually with uh, with close family. I've got an older sibling um, to play it with my dad. We'll play along. Uh, I used to have a classmate who uh, even invested in some Ocean's Edge packs to play as well, but nice. uh, he's joined the Marines. So Yeah, nice. Yeah, for me, yeah. it was just a weird thing where I didn't really play the actual game that much, which I've talked about on the various forums a few times. But basically, 
I used to do like a historical fantasy scenario thing where basically I didn't use any rules from the game. I just used the ships to wage like huge naval wars against each other where I tried to use like as many ships as possible. And it mm. would kind of follow, it wouldn't really simulate, but it would kind of follow the style of like the age of sail and like the line of battle and things like that. So for me, like playing like by myself to a degree was always normal for me. So that way I didn't really have to like rely on other players as much, which I do nowadays because my play style is a lot different. And then for me, it was just a case of like starting to teach people like just a couple of years ago is when I started actually. And since then I've taught like a decent handful of people, which has been pretty awesome. And then just uh, like an hour ago, I was finishing up uh, a couple of games on Vassal with somebody uh, who lives in uh, so yeah yeah exactly he lives in pennsylvania i'm in new york so mm. vassal has really like opened up the world of possibilities for me in terms of like playing against like different people and i played with somebody in singapore somebody in uh the uk started a game with somebody in belgium and then india recently so yeah it's pretty awesome yeah, that's all over the world. Yeah. I downloaded Vassal, but I never opened it. Uh, I really should use it, but yeah. I'm I'm so disorganized that, I mean, you've seen how, like, the only reason why I've been able to reply to your emails for planning this podcast yeah. is because of dumb luck of opening Gmail at the right time. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I saw 19 minutes ago email said I'm going, oh, oh crap, I, I promised to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah, for me, yeah. I like I like having uh, the email on my phone, so then if I'm not like on my desktop, I can like peek at my notifications usually. Not always, but usually I find mm. it that way sometimes. And then so a lot of times I'll just like ignore it if it's not that important, or maybe I'll jump on the computer to reply or to to like follow up with whatever it is, but... Yeah. yeah, I almost consider it a miracle that I was even able to get online tonight and remember to do all this, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, what else was I? Uh... Oh, I, I remember something I wanted to mention earlier. Mm-hmm. One of my other early favorite ships. Mm-hmm. Um, so Revolution came out. That would have been, was that late 04 or early 05? Uh, it was 05. Okay, 05. Yeah. 05 was also the year I started fifth grade, and in the fifth grade, we learned about the Revolutionary War. Nice, yeah. So, you know, another uh, it's another case of, you know, things in my life coming together. Yeah, so kind of. Of course. Yeah, kind of like a peripheral influence of sorts, I would call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And because of that, I got really into the whole uh, sort of early American patriots and uh, freedom fighters, all of them. And I took a strong liking to uh, John Paul Jones. So yeah. when I pulled Bonhomme Richard from a pack, I was yeah. so excited. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And I even end up going as, uh, I think I ended up going as John Paul Jones for Halloween in nice. fifth grade. That's awesome. I actually, yeah, yeah, that reminds me of some of my like influences. I, I think I did dress up as a pirate in fourth or fifth grade. I'm pretty sure it was in elementary school. And then mm-hmm. I... For, as for influences, for me, uh, I've talked about it. I talked about it in a YouTube video, like my first main YouTube video. But there was this book I saw at Barnes & Noble, like really randomly in 2005, called uh, War at Sea in the Age of Sail, 1650 to 1850. And prior to that, I had really only been interested in pirates and stuff and Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was my first. I kind of just, it looked really cool. And I purchased it like kind of on a whim that day. 
and since then I've been really interested in naval history and like the Royal Navy and all that stuff. So kind of that was one of the biggest influences for me that branched me out from pirates and into into some of the more historical aspects of it as well of the Age of Sail. Mm-hmm. I've always been a little bit more into the sort of fantasy side, which yeah. is why. Yeah, you and I are split on that. I know yeah. <laughs> you never really liked the addition of the sea monsters. Yeah. I've always been disappointed by how they were really never quite worth using. Yeah. Um, uh, more on that side of both peripherals and uh, other additions to the game. Mm-hmm. That's – for the same reason, like later in that fifth grade year when we covered the Civil War, I found out about the Battle of Hampton Roads yep. and the early ironclads, and that's where my fascination with that comes from. I've brought it up on the forums more than once. Yeah. Um, oh, that reminds me. I actually emailed WizKids um, in fifth grade about nice. adding ironclads. I got a response saying something like, well, play test something and uh, get back to me. Oh. But because I had nobody to play with, yeah. that idea never got tested and no USS Monitor ever made it into the game. Yep, yep. Instead, we got the pokey ships for better or worse. <laughs> Which, I mean, they're not great. Most yeah. of the scorpions ended up being kind of eh, gimmicky. Yeah. The hoists are – all the hoists are pretty good. Yeah, I'm, the hoists are amazing. Yeah, I'm curious where they'd have gone with that stuff if the <laughs> game had stayed in print. Yeah, it's kind of a scary thought. Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, you never know. We might have gotten an actually articul- uh, an articulated model of the uh, – I don't remember the name of the ship from uh, – uh, damn it, I can't remember the name of the most recent uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Dying Gull, and then there's the... The, the uh, Spanish ship. Si- Silent Mary, right? Yeah. Was that it? Silent yeah, Mary? Yeah, I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah, imagine a fully uh, articulated one of those that would bend up and could yeah. come down and it yeah, had its own crazy. keyword. Yeah. Yeah, I made like a custom. I made a custom that I posted in the POTC thread on miniature trading, but I think it's probably, um, it's probably too good. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think it's uh, a case where you know how they made like two or three versions of the Black Pearl and the Pirates of the Caribbean set. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, there'd be one for the previous undamaged version where it's basically a five master with some extra firepower. Yeah, and then the post damage version where it basically will uh turn everything at rams into lunch meat yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah i was i was a little bit disappointed that the whole uh that, i mean I, the whole disney pirates of the caribbean said it's got a lot of good stuff but for some reason it really isn't most people's favorites yeah. when you think about it because yeah. i don't know maybe it's i'm I'm picking that I want to keep my fantasy world separate. Like Jack Sparrow can't exist beside Jack Hawkins for me. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I was actually happy they did it, partly just for publicity and stuff like that. But, yeah, it is it is definitely a polarizing set. Yeah, although they did debut the new... Uh, the new punch models. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, where they filled in the spaces between the sails and the spars and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, and they rounded out the tabs to make them easier to construct as yeah, well. Yeah, that part I liked. The sails, I was kind of, I'm kind of an old school purist, so I didn't really care for the sails as much. It does make sense. It's good to minimize breakage, but yeah, 
I like the penance too, but the the rounded out tabs was definitely the best change in my opinion of those three. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of split. I both like the classic look, but I sort of acknowledge that the uh, the post uh, Pirates of the Caribbean design had some merits because it was a bit stronger. Yeah. Although I also did like the penance myself. Yeah, yeah, it's more practical, just not quite as like good looking or historically perfect yeah i'll agree with that yeah plus plus a lot of the ship designs visually just the artwork it it was more ornate and more unique on all of them but i'd say also more polarizing yeah yeah definitely yeah because because you got ships like i think it's trinity in rise of the fiends that's probably one of the early examples of that yeah it's you know it's got all the uh i don't know what symbols those are maybe they're celtic or something on the sails Uh and I think they look good, but I'm sure that that set turned so many people off the game, and that's part of why it went under. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other weird thing about that set, Rise of the Fiends, is that the Scorpions were, like, on the pack artwork, but then there were only there's only, like, four or five Scorpion ships in the game, so it's not even that big mm-hmm. of a feature. And they're rare, so they were hard to get anyway. And then they were pretty much all cursed, so it was kind of a strange gimmick that they featured that didn't really didn't really feature in the actual set itself. It's kind of weird to me. And some of them really weren't very good. I'd yeah. say there are two or three that... Most of them uh, aren't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the I Chum do. Maker is pretty good, although it's expensive. Yeah, I do enjoy using the Bloody Blade once in a while when mm-hmm. I'm playing the Curse, but other than that, I don't really like the other ones very much. Yeah, I haven't really gotten to test any of those. I'd love to design something around... Uh, the chum maker which i was lucky to get at some point but but yeah that ended up being you know a fire and steel piece not a rise of the fiends piece yeah yeah it's it is kind of weird how they split up a bunch of those uh a bunch of those special units like two of the sea dragons were in ocean's edge and one was a promo item for fire and steel like three or four sets later yeah 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 it's a weird situation <laughs> Yeah. Um, let me think. I was one of the other things I was going to do. Oh, right. Um, I, I, something else I wanted to mention earlier was uh, some of the places that I would buy packs in the early days. Yeah, I good mean, point. Yeah, you've heard about the Blockbuster and the 7-Eleven. Uh, when they stopped selling them, or at least stopped carrying them, I ended up having to go to a nearby city, first to a comic book shop to buy them. And I was this young kid walking into this lair of kind of nerddom that was beyond me you know yeah, warhammer yeah. dc yeah. marvel and i'm yeah. going why is this comic book 90 dollars <laughs> yeah yeah good point <laughs> yeah and then later they were available at a sort of toy and novelty shop on a nearby street mall and uh for some reason i think i must have been one of the only people or maybe one of the youngest people buying those packs because yeah. the guys behind the counter on more than one occasion gave me really valuable tournament sets huh interesting like i got my copy of howl and one other davy jones curse tournament pack just handed to me over the counter by these guys who were uh by the guys who were running the store which is really me that's really amazing because like now those ships go for way more so it's it's an interesting like kind of a weird comparison like most people have to pay like 50 cents or a dollar or two dollars for a common ship and then somebody gets like an LE for free and then that same mm-hmm. LE goes for like 20 bucks on eBay or something. It's pretty yeah. funny how like extreme it is. 
<laughs> yeah, I, that, it's not just that that's made it really hard for me to collect because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to collect a full set of mysterious islands. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, uh, not only just because the packs were hard to find. I've got almost all the pack items. Yeah. Um, I've uh, in that convention set thing that you can get for three or four bucks on eBay. Those are everywhere. Yeah. I, I was lucky to get the message in a bottle, but hunting down a full set of the tournament pack ships. Yeah, it's really that's hard. not been easy. No. Like none of them go for any less than ten or fifteen bucks. They're yep. rarely listed on eBay. Yeah. So. I think I'm missing like six, seven, or eight of them at this point. Wow. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get them. Yeah, that's still pretty close, though. That's closer than I am. I don't, ha- I don't yeah. think I have any of the LEs from that set. I only have a couple of the tournament pack ships. Yeah, there was uh, there was an HMS Globe on eBay at some point for $10 uh-huh. uh, from a seller that I bought two other ships from, but I don't know if it's still up. I can't imagine it still is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's yeah, probably worth checking, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about, like, some of the places I got packs. I think mm-hmm. Target was, like, the main place that I went to. And mm-hmm. uh, I probably, I may have gotten more packs from that same Fi store. And then, other than that, I don't really remember too much specifically. I'm pretty sure um, the Davy Jones Curse special edition boxes I got were at Target, as far as I know. And then I do specifically remember getting a pack... At, I want to say it was probably at Target. This was like when Barbary Coast came out. And I wasn't really, I wasn't online at this point at all. And I didn't have any idea like what sets were coming out. I was not like in the know in terms of like set design and like when stuff was coming out and all that sort of stuff. And like the promo, mm-hmm. I didn't see any promotional materials for the game yeah. at all. So then, but then I just, you know, I, was, I would check Target in like the Pokemon card area and stuff like that, which I was still into that stuff at this point. So I was kind of around that sort of like environment in the first place. So then I would just check target in that area for like new sets or new packs or whatever. So I remember being really excited to get uh, my first pack of Barbary coast. And I distinctly remember going to like a little Caesars after, which was like right near that target, which is (laughs) Caesars is gone now. And I distinctly remember like opening the Barbary coast pack, like before I was, before I ate pizza, because I was so excited. I had to like see what was in it and stuff like that. So I was really excited I remember I got the, remember I got the Algiers and the Griffin, where which are both really good uh, Barbary Corsair uh, Gold Runners. So it was a really cool pack because it was thematic. So I didn't get like random like friendships or anything. I got like the the signature mm-hmm. faction for that set, which was pretty fun. But other than that, I don't really remember distinctly too many like specific stores. Mostly just Target and Fi, as far as I know. And I only I didn't really have a huge collection at first. My original forty nine ships is pretty much all I had until like 2010 when I went to strike zone online for the first time. Yeah. I think I might've gotten a couple from target at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember being kind of disappointed with Barbary coast. Yeah. And, uh, I guess young me realized how good of a set revolution was. Never mind the fact that I was just more interested in, in that set than I was in the Barbary coast. I remember, being really excited for six mast ships when uh when south china seas came out but i never really could find yeah any copies of them yeah that set was ridiculous it's, i don't yeah. know if i had like a very short like hiatus or a, i i didn't really buy that many packs in general back then but i honestly i never knew that south china seas existed like for me it just went straight from barbary coast to davy jones curse which i think is kind of like exemplifies just how rare that set 
is and was back then in terms of like the distribution and stuff. Like I don't even know if it was in like the stores I was going to. I don't know if they ever if they ever even got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I bought one or two when it was in circulation, but then it was yeah. just gone. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I mean, you know, I ended up buying a ton of that from, uh, from that Norwegian site. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I ended up opening, I'm kind of ashamed to say three booster boxes full of that. Nice. And That's awesome, I didn't, though. and I didn't get a full set. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still missing the super rares. And then like maybe one or two other items. It's, yeah. It bothers me. Although, I mean, I've got the Bauchuan, so all the tournament stuff should be really easy to collect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's the that's another bizarre thing. Like, SCS commons are like rarer than the LEs. It's, it's yeah. so weird. <laughs> yeah, you'll see people asking maybe five bucks for even some of the less good commons from South China Seas, but yeah. the LEs, you can't get rid of them for two or three because people go, ah, but I have to pay shipping. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, the funny thing is, it's really only worth buying them in bulk, like yeah. from. Yeah, I thought about buying them from whoever is on the forum selling them, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just have to find somebody who's got a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, the best way is usually just buy a full set like on eBay or something like ten or twenty bucks. Yeah, there was a, there was a full set of all eighteen of them on eBay for like thirty five bucks or something at yeah. one point, and people were like watching that for months, but nobody made a move on it. I think yeah. I really should have at this point. Yeah. It would have made it just much easier for me. Yeah. I guess it's probably going to be harder now for me to complete my uh, set of South China Seas. Uh, sorry, of Mysterious Islands and of South China Seas. Yeah, yeah. Because of how relatively close yeah. I am. Yeah, I don't know what else to talk about in terms of, like, our origin story. I do know that I got, like, into baseball and in, like, 2006, 2007, like, soon after Davy Jones' Cruise came out. So that's kind of the reason that I had that weird, like, hiatus until, like, 2010. Start collecting baseball cards? Yeah, collecting cards and then, like, watching baseball. I was still playing at that point and then, like, researching it, reading books. Like, I was totally obsessed for, like, five-plus years, so. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother was in a baseball stage about that time, too. I was never quite as into it as he was, Uh, although I did end up on a similar hiatus of my own. Yeah. Um... I think probably around 2008, maybe early 2009, basically the end of middle school for me, I uh, I stopped buying packs just because I was starting to get into video games and I wanted to spend my money on other things. Yeah. Um, so between probably summer of 2008 and mid-2015, it just sort of was gone from my mind. I put all my ships in storage and, uh, and that was that I, uh, I just thought of the game like in mid 2015, I thought, Oh, I wonder if that game's still in print, you know, found out it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. But, but then I also found out about sets that I didn't remember because I'm pretty sure ocean's edge. Yeah. At the time, ocean's edge was the last set that I had remembered coming out. Uh huh. Although when I dug into my collection, I found a couple things from Fire and Steel. Huh. So, so I guess I must have bought a pack or two of that and not remembered. I I know one of them was like the Conquerant, the Bombardier. Yep, yep. But um, but yeah, my first thing that I did was uh 
buy a 36 pack of those uh the fire and steel boosters from hills yeah and then i just basically opened all of those on the couch in one day because i was so excited nice yeah yeah i remember being excited when i i got in really late on the fairfield box craze which was like oh yeah yeah Yeah, there was like a big thread on mt about it and like i i was like i was kind of late to the party but then luckily i managed to find three different ones at like two different targets or something which amounted to like around 60 packs which at the time was like my first uh, my first exposure to Rise of the Fiends and Fire and Steel, and it almost maybe some of my first packs of OE Ocean's Edge, maybe not the first packs, but like it really expanded my collection a lot. Yeah, I was uh, never lucky enough to get my hands on any of those. I yeah. don't think. Yeah, they've In been fact, gone. They've been gone since like mid or late 2012, as far as I know. Yeah, they were just trying to liquidate as many of the late packs as they could. Yeah, and. Yes, and, uh, it was basically like fifty cents a booster, which is like twenty five cents a ship. So they they were never going to last very long anyway at that price. So yeah, although at this point I kind of feel like a sucker for having ever bought any uh, OE content <laughs> because I feel like any other set that you buy, you can trade that for OE, and people are just glad to give it away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a terrible set, but it's so common yes, and it's ridiculous. It, it didn't feel like the pack distribution was anything special. Yeah. So it, it's gone to the point where I think OE is easily the least valuable set, even though it's not even the worst set by far. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely the least valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Spanish main is probably the only one that approaches how common it is, but yeah. because most of the set is better it's so much yeah. more desirable. Yeah. I found actually Davy Jones curse to be probably more oh, common. Yeah, than Spanish yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least in my experience anyway. Yeah. I, that's probably in part due to its, I'm going to guess it received maybe as much printing as Spanish main or almost as much as OE. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the quality control issues really held them back there. Yeah. yeah that was bad for a while. Yeah. Yeah. All my old, uh, Davy Jones Curse stuff. It's just nicked. It's got white spots all over from where the finish came off of the yeah. styrene. I got super lucky with that, to be honest, because I have almost no cards like that other than the ones I've traded for. So I'm pretty sure I must have gotten into DJC like after the second printing or whatever. Because when I got my mm-hmm. value boxes, they were totally fine. And I don't, I don't think I bought many actual packs of DJC when it was still like in print. So I got lucky with that. It might sound funny, but the first time I saw a uh, a DJC card that didn't have any damage or scuffing, I went, wow, you're really lucky. You got a mint one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost looks like a different set, probably. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt any of the old, uh, the bad printing run cards, but yeah, they, I have a they sort of feel dirty. Yeah, so, yeah, some of them are like, yeah, they're almost like greasy, and then they have like, the, the paint is just really bad. Yeah, I yeah. have like a handful of those. Yeah, a lot of my DJC content is that. And honestly, I'm okay with that because yeah. I guess people want to get rid of it. And just based on how I end up playing and using it, it's. I kind of feel like, though, if you rinsed it and then ran your finger back over, it would be smoother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, speaking of water in these ships, have you ever actually tried to float any of them? Oh, that's actually something I want to do for a, a YouTube video. So that's funny you brought that up. There's actually. Oh, I'll suggest you don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, there's a picture on Board Game Geek of uh, somebody, like, floating ships from different, like, uh, 
like miniatures games and whatnot. And Spanish Main was one of the ones that didn't float. So, but the, what I want to do is try like different ship types though, like especially like a galley or like a fort and stuff like that, just to like make sure it doesn't work. <laughs> I actually have something to say about that. Yeah. Um, I at one point. <sighs> As a result of this, I've got a ton of ships with really faded artwork, but I uh, filled up a swimming pool in my backyard, just one of the inflatable ones, and uh, I ended up floating a ton of ships and forts on it. Uh, I left them out in the sun for a couple days. I actually, uh, less than a year ago, found a random mast in the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found a mask just in the garden, all faded, although nice. it was still recognizable. It yeah. still had some ink on it. It still had a readable number. Yeah. I'm sure I could figure out what ship it yeah. went to. It's like a shipwreck, like washing ashore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just do your homebrew versions of those ghostly ships, the yeah. promos from Spanish Main and Crimson Coast, the yeah. gray, the grayscale ones. Yeah, yeah. Just do them homemade by leaving them in the sun for a week. <laughs> yep. Yeah, did you but, notice like uh did you notice like a color fading over time? Um I didn't notice cuz it sort of happened gradually. I think I left them out there for multiple days. Yeah. Some of them sank to the bottom which may have also had an effect. Yeah. But but as a result I've got some old used Crimson Coast and Spanish Main stuff yeah. where uh, the ships are a noticeably different color than wow. something fresh out of a pack. That's actually really interesting. I might just because I have so many ships and like a decent amount of duplicates, I might actually try this just for fun now. Like I might yeah, do like a experiment with, yeah, with like, like, like just a, win from OE because you've probably got thirty <laughs> copies of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I might do a thing that gives me ideas. So thank you for that. I think I might do something mm -hmm. where like I submerge a ship and just keep it like underwater for like a couple weeks or something, and then maybe yeah. put one outside for like a week or something in the sun or or maybe like through the rain and the elements. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe even both, just indirect sunlight and, yeah. Um, yeah, although it for masts, if you want to get both sides done, you may either yeah, want to punch and assemble it or just flip it every day. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. That's a really, that's a really interesting concept. I'm going to have to try this. And then I just thought something else really weird, like creating, like, custom terrain by, like, burying a ship in, like, soil and having, like, a, like a plant root, like, coming up through the side of the ship Ooh. or something. <laughs> it might be hard to get the plant and the ship out of the ground at yeah, the absolutely. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you probably wreck it, but whatever. Yeah, although I guess I can, if you do want to try floating stuff, I can advise that um, all of the uh, all of the ships that have really just one deck piece, uh -huh. say uh, say uh, the uh, the uncommon three masters, basically all two masters. Um, the ones that have a ton of surface area to keep them afloat, they will float. Uh-huh. Interesting. But, but four and five masters, because, you know, they've got multiple different tiers. Yeah. That surface area is spread out, and it's not one surface. Yeah. So they tend to sink. Yep, yep. Interesting. I bet, I bet galleys, though, I bet they would work. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, like something flat. Mm-hmm. And then it has, yeah. like, balance, like, stability on both sides, hopefully. Yeah, I think they'd work, although um, I was always bothered by the fact that galleys were kind of hard to assemble and disassemble. Yeah, yeah, I find long ships to be really kind of rough, actually. Yeah, I, I had a period where I was trying to, like, assemble multiple one-masted long ships, yeah. and just to get the hull together, I think, it, on at least one of them, it took me, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, 
Yeah, long ships are weird because it's really easy to put it together backwards. It's hard to like tell what what's like bow and stern compared to the other yeah. ships. Yeah, I kind of ended up figuring it out after a while, but yeah. it, it doesn't really make assembling them any easier. Yeah. Yeah, you just feel like you're gonna break them no matter what. Yeah. I remember Although there was I remember like an old poll on miniature trading was like the question was like what's the hardest ship type to assemble? And like I think two master junks took the took the cake for that one because they're so yeah. obnoxious. Yeah, the back part of the hole there yeah, is it's, awful. it's so fragile that you yeah. kind of have to support it while trying to work the mast <laughs> in from the base. Yeah, it's so tough. Yeah. I usually just I've, like open the slots wider with like part of the mizzen mast or something like that. Yeah, I remember having done that a couple times on hard to assemble ships, but I don't think I've done that in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, I've found that to compound the problem, I've found that Ocean's Edge, at least the packs I've opened or the ships I've constructed from that set, Ocean's Edge is kind of tough to tough to put together. Like the slots are really tight, and it's just kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a tough set in general. And then you add in the prevalence of two massive junks in that set, and it just makes it oh. worse. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. I, I guess I had that reminds me. I guess I had some foresight <laughs> about the whole collecting thing because. Basically, all of the Crimson Coast stuff that I have left over and some from other sets was actually like duplicates that I uh, put in a box and stored on my dresser for several years. Huh. But um, unfortunately, I didn't think I had to save enough of the extra uh, Crimson Coast duplicates I got. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, you might like this story. Mm -hmm. For my 10th or 11th birthday party, I did a pirate party. Nice. And my dad bought two booster boxes of Crimson Coast for awesome. that. Wow. Yeah, and that's where I got basically all my stuff from that set. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Now I'm jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good party, too. Yeah, it's it really great. <laughs> we, even, uh, we had a crow's nest on the roof that was just a laundry basket with some stuffed animals in it. <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> The way I got into the game again, and like I think it was 2010, I was just going through my room, like cleaning or organizing, and then I came across my old Nike shoebox full of my original 49 ships and all the cards and all the coins, because my entire collection at the time fit into a shoebox, which is really ridiculous to think about nowadays. But yeah, Yeah. so I just came across it randomly, and that's kind of how I got back into it. I think it was just kind of a random rediscovery more than anything else for me. And you just dove into the deep end of nostalgia. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think my I started with like I got back into like historical fantasy scenarios, just like doing huge wars with like tons of ships. And then I purchased for that reason I purchased like fifty five ships from Strike Sound Online for like ten bucks. Because the but the reason it was so cheap is because I just bought the cheapest ships possible. So I would buy like eight copies of the same ship just because I wanted to have like as much quantity to get like bang for the buck to do like the the big naval wars and stuff. But then like, I don't really regret it, but like it became like a weird like sort of issue later because I started putting them up for trade, but then people would want them. Like some of them were from like frozen North. So even though they were commons, like once strike zone online, like went under or became like a lot more scarce in terms of pirate stuff. Um, a lot of people would want some of those ships. Then I'd have to like disassemble them before trading. Then I'd have to like tell people like, oh, they have been punched, but they're still in good condition. So it kind of created like these weird like issues later on, but it was still worth it at the time. So 
I was just looking for like a ton of ships for like as low money as possible. Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to liquidate a bunch of my spare stuff. Yeah. Uh, of which nobody wants OE, nobody <laughs> wants Rise of the Fiends, yeah. and for some reason nobody wants South China Seas. Really? Oh, I, like I think, through trading? Yeah, I think what's happened is people have decided it's so rare that it's not even worth lusting after and getting yeah. their hopes up. Yeah, that's interesting. I know I was in that position for a while before I ended up getting my South China Seas fix. I oh. thought to myself, this set is so rare, I'm not even going to put it on my want list and get tempted to uh, try to complete a set or anything like that. Yeah. I wonder if other people are, you know, feeling the same way. Yeah, that's possible. I was lucky there, too, because on eBay I found, like, a... I didn't realize how complete it was at the time, but I found, like, a near-complete set. It didn't have, like, uh, the Ten Master or the, the LEs and a lot of... It didn't have the super rares, but in terms of, like, the main stuff you could get from packs, it had most of the stuff. But it was, like... I ended up spending more money on it than I wanted to or expected to, but in a weird way, it was actually, like, in hindsight, it was actually a pretty decent deal, and I don't really regret it, so I got lucky with, like, a lot. That's kind of how I've done, like, some of the rarer stuff I like to buy, like, a bunch at a time, because sometimes piecing together, like, an entire set, especially if it's one of the rarer ones, can be pretty, like, a big long-term process. Yeah, I don't even know how I quite approached, um... Because basically all I need for a complete pack set of Mysterious Islands is mm-hmm. like one ship and I, one or two and then a crew and then just the rest of the uh, tournament pack stuff. Yeah. But with how rare that set is, I don't know how I managed that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I think I might have just found like a couple online retailers that happen to have stuff and then just getting lucky with all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's honestly getting pretty close to the time I need to go to bed. But yeah, yeah this this worked pretty well, and I think we've still got loads that we could talk about yeah, there's a ton of in, stuff. in any next next installments, future yeah. episodes. This is like a good example of how like how long this could go, because we got so off topic, mm-hmm. but then it's still all relevant content, so it's pretty impressive. We could just yeah. rant rave for like forever basically. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my experience with podcasts. I follow another one where basically it is a car podcast, but yeah. they end up talking about get, almost getting themselves killed in the UAE. What? About yeah, it's yeah, some comedian apparently got drunk and almost got himself shot by the uh, Dubai Coast Guard. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. In a country where you're not even allowed to drink, so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that yeah. probably won't happen to us, but we'll see. We'll see what our, where our adventures take us. Maybe we'll have to go go to sea sometime. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to sail to the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> we, now we should go to Singapore. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Sail a junk to Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an adventure where I would definitely drown. Yeah. Probably me, too. All right. All right, so we're going to – so for the audience, for the people listening – uh, we're going to try to do this as much as uh, we are available. So we haven't really established a schedule yet, but like weekly or biweekly or once a month, stuff like that. We're just going to see how it goes and we might uh, be able to establish more of a schedule later on. But other than that, thanks for uh, listening to this first Pirate CSG podcast. 
And this is A7X Fan Ben and God Mason signing off for now. So thanks for listening. Thank you.